The look on your face right before I say it. <laughs> you we just, open like, the same way every time. I don't know what else to say. And <laughs> I like seeing your face looking exasperated. That's because you get this little mousy thing. You're like, oh. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just me, girlfriend. <laughs> you guys can't say the dumb face. You can't say, oh, you can't see the dumb face. (laughs) The dumb face. The dumb face. I'm making a dumb face. I'm kind of making a dumb face. It's spelled D-U-M. D-U-umlaut. M. Dumb. The dumb face. Dumb face. Very dumb. What a dumb fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's another episode. It is. It's episode five. What's an episode of? It's an episode of Goose Chase, my God, by golly, gee willikers, holy cow, I tells you. will be dipped. Hey, you will be. I don't know what that Sounds means. Sounds like a threat. It sure does. Mm-hmm. I don't... <laughs> you, you know, will be. You know the first thing I think of when I think of you'll be dipped? Like, when, like as you'll a be threat? Dip- okay, what's up? I think of dilly bars. Like, I think I'm going to be <laughs> dipped like a dilly bar. I was which sounds kind feather. of awesome. Oh, no, mine was more delicious. <laughs> <laughs> No so argument anyways, here. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, this is Goose Chase. This is uh, Drogzy. Little Drogzy baby. And sitting across from me is Namey Thinky Port. Wait, that was a bad one. Yeah, you can do better. S- smarty, smarty Google Port. That's basically the whole show. That's what my uh, <laughs> first time on the show. I just Google how about things. How about uh, Cookie Deliverin Port? You did bring me some cookies. I did bring you some cookies. We're not here right now. They're for our trip. Yeah, that's true. You brought all kinds of delicious snacks for our trip. I did. I went a little crazy. We could talk about the trip now. This Let's would be talk a good about time the trip. Talk. Yeah. So. <clears throat> this By the time anyone hears this, it will be way in the past. <laughs> yeah. We're taking a trip. End of episode. That's the whole thing. Uh-huh. No. We are going to New York City. Mm-hmm. We're very excited for this. We've been the playing it for Apple. a while. The big apple. I'd say the biggest. It's up there. It's a sizable apple. Mm-hmm. It ain't no teeny apple. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Hard to argue with that, right? Mm-hmm. We are not shrinking ourselves down and going into a city <laughs> inside of a very small apple. It's not a teeny verse of an apple. Correct. Yeah. That is not what we're doing. Although, that sounds pretty cool. Let's yeah. do that instead. That's- Fuck it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Call science immediately. <laughs> Call Rick from Rick and Morty. He can make this happen. <laughs> That's my Rick impression. No, we're going to a real New York City. Oh, we're going to be in the big city. Yeah. Sucking on apple teenies and th- things. I hadn't planned all that, but we can do it. We're going to have to drink some mixed drinks. Last we'll drink, was, we're going to have to drink some mixed drinks. Like, it's hard for us to do. Like, <laughs> like you got to light a fire under me to make me drink some mixed drinks. The last time I was in New York, I was, uh, it was, it wasn't the time I was with Joe. So it was before, it was before the first time I went, I was with Joe. And mm-hmm. we went, we wound up walking from where we were staying just down a couple of blocks. Mm-hmm. We found this bar on the Upper West Side and just started drinking $3 kamikazes. Ooh. For hours, <laughs> <laughs> and staggered our asses back to the uh, the apartment, the hotel, um, and it was great. And there's all these little hole in the wall bars all yeah. over the place. And hi, Joe, if you end up listening to this, by the way. Hi, hi, yeah. <laughs> <Her> bird. <laughs> so I also got some recommendations. 
Um, I'm in a few Facebook groups and I put a call out on one of them and said, Hey, I'm doing this. Do you guys have any like cool recommendations of things to do? Mm-hmm. And a few people uh, recommended a couple different bars. One of them specifically mentioned their, their, uh, cocktails. Okay. So I'll put that on our, I'm compiling a list of things we may want to do, including where they're at, like what neighborhood they're in. So yeah. if we find ourselves in a certain area, I can reference our handy list and see like what's around you know what i'd like to see i doubt there is but i, th- I feel like the dogfish head dude was uh, i know he's from new york and possibly lived in new york city i wonder if there's a dogfish head anything on manhattan we i'm gonna do a little googling that. beforehand yeah we'll look into that yeah be interested in that uh, but we have all kinds of cool ideas we're gonna have a really great time yeah I mean, the the main draw a we just we wanted to take a trip, and this originally was going to be a not really planned out trip. It was going to be, like, really spur of the moment. Yeah. I still and think it is, sort of. It is. We're not We're not planning no. very, very detailed, but that's just not how we like to do things. We but, have lots of options, but we don't have yeah. a schedule. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to do it. Me too. Um, but originally, I think we were going to do it with far less planning. And then we realized we probably need to save a little bit of money and, like, make mm-hmm. sure we could get the time off work and, and really take, like, more than just two days, you know? Yeah. Do it for a few more days and make it a real trip. Yeah. And then it just so happened that my favorite band was going to be playing a show. Mm-hmm. And it turned out the dates were going to work. It was going to be, like, a good time to go, and everything kind of fell into place. Yeah. My favorite band mm-hmm. being Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. And they're playing Madison Square Garden. Right. And we're very... I'm very excited. I hope you're very excited. I you, am so excited. I know they're not, like, your your top, top favorite band, but... Oh, I'm excited about the trip. So, so excited. I'm very excited about Depeche Mode. <laughs> The real reason Not Dave eye roll wants, excited, but yeah, excited. The real reason Dave is excited about Depeche Mode is just because they're like my favorite band in the whole world. Yeah, and he's a big sweetie and treated me to the tickets. Not only this, but we got aisle seats. Yeah, we got pretty good tickets. We got so we don't have to crawl over people getting in and out of our seats. Yes, I am. That's what I'm excited about. And As a fat also, guy, I want to be on the outside. <laughs> So I'm excited about some really some things that make me feel very old and boring. <laughs> okay. These things are we have seats. Right. I can't like I just can't Fuck even fathom going room. to a concert and not having a seat anymore. Mm. Nope, not like, for me. The first time I went to a concert and like they came around and were asking to upgrade into like box seats and I was like, "Oh yeah, let's do that for 50 <laughs> extra bucks." Yeah. I was like, oh man, I'm officially old and it's awesome. I get to sit here. I get to have drinks. I get to have a good view. My feet aren't killing me. You have some logistical challenges that don't present themselves to almost anyone else, which is that you're so teeny. I'm teeny. I'm you're really just short. so teeny. I'm really short. Um, I dated someone who was even taller than you. You're pretty tall. He was a couple oh. inches taller than you. He was like exactly a foot taller than me. And any time we'd go to a show, which was fairly frequently, it was always, like, general admission, standing room only. Yeah. And he would be like, oh, I think you have a window right here. And I, like, stepped to where he told me. And 
It was just people's heads. It was just more people's heads. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, no, like, I can't really see there still. So he would, like, get down to my, like, crunch down to my level. Yeah. And look at me and go, oh, you can't see shit. I was like, no, I fucking can't. Yeah, right. So, like, this is all, this is an audio experience for me. Yeah. So having a seat is really important because. In Madison Square Garden, no less. Yes. Because Pretty I can venue. see, I'll be able to see. They'll have screens and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be able to see, and uh, I won't have to stand. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and we're going to be doing a lot of walking, so that's probably going to be really important to me. And this is on our the end of our the, last night. The in last the city. night. Yeah. So we're really going to want to have a seat for a the, while. The the other thing I'm excited about is that our hotel is very close to Madison Square Garden. So we won't have to take public transit. We won't have to worry about the other people who are going to be leaving at the same time as us because we're only going, like, not very far. So we could basically just walk to our hotel and collapse into bed. and Literally across the street. Yeah. It's crazy. And because we have to wake up early the next day to get on a bus. Do we have to be up that morning? I need to check the tickets. Okay. They're on my phone. I know it's early... I don't, it's not like seven, well, it's, we'll probably have to get up around seven, if not a little earlier, but I know we don't have to be there at seven. Yeah. It's like 8.15 or 8.30 at the earliest. Yeah. That we have to be at the place to be picked up. What I envision us doing is getting up, grabbing some coffee, backing stuff up, and then just sort of grabbing the subway to the closest point to where the bus drop is and. Yeah. Should be a nice morning. Yeah, we we'll have probably have some leftover snacks. This I is went just a little... logistics. This has to yeah, be this, so incredibly this boring. This is not fun. Um, but I I'm got excited and I have a discount at the place that I work, of the retail establishment I work at. So I, I bought a bunch of snacks <laughs> that I'm sure are unnecessary, but it's it'll do. And uh, we're also excited about we're going to... See the Ask Cat improv show at UCB. I already bought tickets for that. I'm sort of hoping you would just leave that as we're going to see the Ask Cat. <laughs> we're going to see for, the Ask Cat. For people who have no idea what the hell that is, just be like, that's cool. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> What's this Ask Cat like, you speak the of? The Ask Cat. Oh, you know, um, it's just this cat, you know? It is a weekly improv show at uh, the UCB Theater in Chelsea. Yeah. And we've heard about Ask Cat for a long time because yeah. we're big comedy fans and we love UCB and mm-hmm. everyone who started it. Yeah. So that's exciting for us. Yeah. Hopefully they have some guests that we recognize that night. Cause and even if they do. don't, I trust the UCB to provide, you know, really it'll, quality. It'll be improv. a good time. Yeah. It'll be a good time regardless. I'm going to get some custom lipstick made. Mm-hmm. I already have my appointment at Bite Lip Labs, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, you're probably going to come with me because the appointment shouldn't be very long. So, yeah. The longer that the appointment sounds like it would be, the more likely I would be in a deli stuffing my face with something. For some reason, you thought it was going to be like an hour long. Yeah, I thought it was this thing where they like mix a trillion things and then they put perfume in it and then they glitter it up or whatever. I don't know what the hell they do. <laughs> you don't know how lipstick works. <laughs> well, no, because they have a more extensive version of the thing you're doing. And it, that did seem like it would I'm take a long time. I'm doing the more extensive version. That is the thing. That seems like it would take a long time. No. Wow. Okay. No, basically, the process of what they do is you sit down with them and you tell them what you want. You get 
two different lipsticks. So you tell them what colors you want. And then they mix them up. And they're actually pretty... I've watched videos of people going to these appointments. They're really good at what they do. So it doesn't take very long. Um, They seem like people who just are good at interpreting the... Into like actual artistic... Oh, this is what you mean by that vague description. Oh, I see. When you said what you meant is like tangerine with like maybe a little streak of uh, red in there. What I meant was like when I used to work at a nail salon and I used to help people pick out nail polish colors and they would give me five different descriptors that all contradicted with each other and I had to come up with the exact color that they wanted. That, I got good at that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I had a like lot of reading fun between the that. lines of people being bad at describing bullshit. Yes, people are really bad at describing things. Wow. I like to think I'm a little bit better at it because of that experience, but I also like to let the person who knows what they're doing take the reins. So give them a descriptor and let them like do what's right. Yeah, right. Um, but you tell them what you want. They mix up basically as many colors as they want. They'll. From the videos I've seen, they'll mix up, like, the two colors that you think you want. And then they'll mix up, like, one additional one as, like, a, oh, it's maybe something else. Just in case one of them doesn't work out. Yeah. And you like something else better. Okay. And then they work on that until they get it perfect. But, like I said, they seem to be pretty good at this. Yeah. Um, I don't think it will take them that long. I'm also easy. I'm not super-duper picky. Right. I like, an idea of what I want and... As long as they basically get there, okay. Um, And then you decide what kind of finish you want for the lipstick, what flavor slash scent you want for the lipstick, and they make it into lipstick. Yeah. But all that doesn't really take very long. It should be really cool. It'll be nice to have something unique and personalized. And you get to name your lipsticks, which I'm excited about. Name them after uh, your two favorite dogs, I suggest. Boba and Zoe? Yup. I could do that. <laughs> I also thought of like naming them after one of the fandoms that sure. I'm in, or and I'll figure something out. I'll I'll let the moment take me where it takes me. Mm-hmm. But that's something else we're doing, and basically the rest of it, we got a couple other ideas of things we want to do. We've gotten suggestions, and we're just gonna. See where we are. We're going to yeah. do a lot of walking, which is, I feel like, how you should do a city. Specifically yeah. New York, but I feel like Chicago is the same way. New York is just such... Use public the, transit and just walk around. New York is the epitome of a walking city. Yeah. I mean, it is built with the pedestrian in mind in every possible way. And exploring it is so great because it's so dense. Man, I had to cross the street a couple weeks ago and where we <laughs> I know, live. exactly... That's why oh, man. you went to take your car up to Walmart to get the tire worked on and walked over to the gym. And when you told me that you were getting done at the gym, I was like, I can't let her walk across Mahoning again. I don't know how I let her do it the first time. That's so crazy. Um, she should have had a ride in the first place. The thing was, I didn't want someone to come give me a ride literally across the street. But that But I should sucks. have because there's no, there are no like pedestrian intersections in our town. There aren't really sidewalks. Yeah. Especially across, like, the busy roads and stuff. Yeah. Like, it is not a pedestrian town. It's, like walk and it's not a bike rider's <laughs> town. Like, it is ridiculous. You just, yeah, you literally have to just... I am not a religious person, and I was, like, praying. I was, like, 
dear God. I'm cursing at everyone who seemed, like, startled by a person. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're not used to seeing them. I mean, anywhere, right. you know, when you're driving around. Right. Them, so. I was real tempted to just, like, find someone leaving the Walmart parking lot and be like, can you just take me over there across the street? <laughs> just drop me off across the street. Just don't like, wait. hey, I'm not a crazy person. Please help and me. please don't kill me. But, like, I'm going to get in your car. You drop me off across the street, and then you nope off, and I'll walk the rest of the way into the plaza to go to the fucking gym yeah. while they replace my tire. Right. <sighs> it was a thing, and I'm then sorry. I did end up calling you to pick me up yeah. and take me away from there because my car wasn't done. I made noise. I yeah. slammed the table. No, you're okay. I'm uh, just realizing we've given about the first 20 minutes of our episode to talking about uh, everything but our uh, our next segment, so maybe, uh, that's maybe it's okay. time we... That's okay. <laughs> So the, let's talk about the topic today. Just briefly discuss what it's going to be, or should we just wait and do the news first? Yeah, let's do the news first. We'll get right, into the main topic the later. Are you ready for some news? I am. I'm so ready for this. I'm ready to. I'm ready to bust you again. Sweet little angel babies. <laughs> Are you ready to play along? Oh, I am. Oh, you talking? They're going to play along. Oh, okay. Um, I got some. I got some real humdingers. Got some zingers. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this. Let's hear it. So, again, as a reminder, it's like two truths and a lie, but there are two lies and one truth. I will find the correct one. I am the truth Dave seeker. Dave is adamant that he's he's going to bust it open. I'm the truth seeker. I will find it. So, are you ready? I am so ready. First one. Denver nurses suspended for opening body bag to admire man's genitals. <laughs> That's the first one. Admire is really a great word there. <laughs> it just gives you everything you need to know. Okay, so that's number one. That's number one. Number two. Uh-huh. Staying relevant. Rolaids is stepping into the virtual reality arena with a game where you eat a Rolaid. Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah. <laughs> Staying relevant. Rollades is stepping into the virtual reality arena with a game where you eat a Rollade. <laughs> <laughs> that really hit you. <laughs> it's just like I've seen technology used for fr frivolous purposes, but by God, does that just top it? You gotta, you gotta stay fresh. <laughs> All right. That, that's Mentos, but... Yeah, right. The Fresh Maker. Mm-hmm. Planet Fitness's judgment-free zone will now include food court. Okay. Will now include a food court. Well, it seems to me like they already had a little bit of a food thing going on. They got snacks and whatever kind of wheatgrass shake. They have candy. Shake. They don't have shakes. They have candy at the front desk. Okay. They have... The first Monday of every month, they bring in pizza, and the first Tuesday of every month, they bring in bagels. Mm. I'm um, sorry, they, they bring in what? Bagels. Bagels. You know, like, I had a bagel when I, I, I hear thunder. Yeah. Well, when you hear thunder, you gotta add a bagel. You gotta add a bagel. Um, okay. So do you Shoot. want me to go over these one more time? Nurses admire dead man's penis. Get suspended for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Rollade virtual reality game. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, 
food court at Planet Fitness. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm probably gonna feel real stupid here, but I'm going VR Rollade. I'm going VR Rollade all in. You're incorrect. I'm wrong. Yeah. No. <laughs> gotta give a gotta give a special shout out to Clickhole because that was one of ours. <laughs> I know you love Clickhole, so I was a little bit afraid you might have seen it. Oh, that's so funny. Because yeah. here's the thing is, I could so see that being a real thing. That's why I chose it. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm choosing my fake ones, like today I was just so uninspired. I was not coming up with stuff. Like, I found my real one and then I couldn't come up with anything. Sure. So I will look at the onion, which are always, like, very obviously fake. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. Clickhole is a little bit, like... A they step just, away from that. They straddle the self. line sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, Clickhole is definitely one of these places where you see their articles get passed around and, like, your your Aunt Marsha is like, oh, my goodness. Do you know about this? And you're like, it's Clickhole. It's not real. I have an Aunt Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> does she do this? No. <laughs> you got to get her online if she does. Um uh, so that I, okay, I, busted. I was, I was in, busted. in between sets at the gym. This is what I was doing because I was like, okay, I need to finish up my topic later. Oh man, I didn't do the news, so yeah. that's what I did at the gym in between. All right. Sets. So tell me, is it the body bag penis? Ah, oh. are you ready for this article? Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> it is from the Denver Post. Yeah. Uh, let me. Five nurses at Denver Health Medical Center were suspended for three weeks after they inappropriately viewed a deceased patient's body and talked about it, a hospital (laughs) spokesman confirmed to Denver 7 Investigates Tuesday. Uh, Tip to Denver 7 said the nurses that were disciplined admired the size of the deceased patient's genitals and at one point opened a body bag to view parts of the body. We know what parts they viewed. Yeah, right. Don't be coy. Yeah, don't be coy. Come on, we know what parts. We're not, we're not dumb. A hospital spokesman confirmed details of the incident. A different nurse heard one of the disciplined nurses making a comment yeah. that she felt was inappropriate and reported it to hospital staff and uh-huh. it went from there. Um yeah, so, and the person who reported it, which was risk management for Denver Health, yeah, it was, like, mandatory that they report it. Basically, it's it's just, it's inappropriate. It's mis- possibly mistreatment of a corpse. Like, you can't do that. It's disrespectful at the very least. It, and, yeah, it certainly seems wrong. It doesn't seem to me illegal, but it does seem it's just not, wrong. It's not how you should be yeah. conducting you should You should be, you shouldn't be... You shouldn't be getting all boned up over someone's dead penis yeah. in any circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't do that. Oh, my God. I can't believe you got me. I am really excited. <laughs> the the Rolaid just seemed so real to it me. Seemed, it seemed like a thing that a company would do yeah. to try to, like, get a newer, younger, you know? It's also, like, there's so much lame VR content. It mm-hmm. would surprise me none if there was just a thing where you had to flick a Rolaid up in the air and then catch it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me find that Clickhole article. Okay. Um, Because the what they actually were calling the game would have given it away. Oh, really? Like, the, t- the title of the... 
the title of the game would have been a... Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was really funny, though, so let me find it. Okay. So, they were uh, they were titling it Rollades The Swallowing. <laughs> and I knew that the if swallowing. I... Yeah. <laughs> if I had to elaborate, That's you amazing. would immediately know that it was fake from the name... Yeah. But luckily, that's not what we do on the news. Uh, well, you we got to me. Buy the headline. You I done stumped you. You stumped me I done good. stumped you. That's, that was fun. That was a really fun And one. then uh, the Planet Fitness one, I was at Planet Fitness. I just <laughs> made something up. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. I done goofed you. Well, goofed you, gaffed you. Yes, you, you done tricked me. I have been goofed on. I surrender to your uh, ability to goof on me. I'm good at it. Uh, so, all right, I want to move on to the next segment here. And this is, this is like an amorphous segment that we still have not, we have really got to kind of pin this down and no, make it something. I don't think so. I kind of like it. It's just whatever we feel like talking about. Yeah, it's about. just kind of a hot take segment, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, here's my hot take on, ba ba ba. It doesn't even have to be hot takes. Like, <laughs> lukewarm takes on things. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's, here's what I think about burr. But, like, here's, here's what I'm thinking about today. This is. <laughs> Today I was bored at work and I thought about this for a full 20 minutes for no reason. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, in in this case, I wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, David Foster Wallace. And in particular, the, the, the article he wrote entitled Consider the Lobster. Um, it's just a great title. <clears throat> it is a great it title. It makes me laugh really it, it inspires curiosity like right off the bat, right? Like, Consider sure. The I guess I've never considered the lobster. Let's, you know. My belly is considering the lobster the more <laughs> we talk about it. Uh, yeah, God, lobster is such an interesting story in so many ways. I mean, like. I want lobster. I want lobster. <laughs> so, like, going back, like, maybe a hundred years, lobster was considered disgusting poor people food. Yeah. Like, they, it's like only through the genius of marketing and branding oh, yeah. that it became a luxury food that we associate with steak. Oh, man. One day, that's a topic we should do, is we should discuss um, some things that marketing has done wonders for. That's a really good idea. Because um, yeah. there's a lot out there. I can think of, like, three immediately. I was going to say save them, because that's that would make for something really interesting to, to, to do, actually. I do think that should be a topic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so the, the, the particular piece, consider the lobster is, uh, okay. So let me actually go back. The, what I was interested in today, as far as David Foster Wallace, I was just, I was just sort of like passing time while I was working and I was thinking about him as I sometimes just do out of, you know, every, every couple of months or so, because I always kind of admired his philosophy on, I guess, Beyond, like beyond all things, good living, or like what constitutes like a worthwhile life, or like good <laughs> mm-hmm. goals, and um, and uh, it brought me around to uh, consider the lobster, which I had never read, and I really wanted to, and I told you a little bit about this already, but mm-hmm. the gist of this for the listener is that um, this is David Foster Wallace being sent to the Maine Lobster Festival uh, by Gourmet Magazine, who. Like, which it just seems like a weird it assignment. Seems, it seems weird that they hire him at all. Yeah, like Gourmet Magazine. I just I wouldn't think of. You know who we should get yeah, to like write the, an article for us? The chief intellectual David you know, Foster Wallace, the chief intellectual fiction writer of the time, like the yeah. smartest brain on the block to write a food article. 
It just seems weird. I'm sure there's a connection there. Like, he knew someone who worked there, or he was really interested in, in, like, in food. Like, who isn't? Yeah. Um, Or, you know, like, I'm sure there was a reason. I'm probably not as out of the blue as it sounds like it is. But... Anyway, it yeah. became very interesting. Yeah, it gets it gets really really interesting. I mean, it's it would have been interesting to begin with just to look into this, but uh, his particular slant on it gets really interesting because it goes from being just about you know he's not really comfortable being a tourist, but this is a real touristy kind of thing, and mm-hmm. uh, sort of about like the town and all the, mm-hmm. the the traditions of this festival, and then it gets into like the lobster itself and the weird tradition of like. Gathering them out of the sea by the thousands and like, you know, you know. Boiling uh, them alive. Yeah, boiling them alive in front of everyone in the largest lobster boiler on, you know, in the United States. And whether or not they can feel pain and whether it's moral to eat them. And discussing it, the mortality of <clears throat> lobsters and yeah. their the level of consciousness they have. And he gets into some detail about the fact that it's one of the only animal products that we eat that we actually take the thing home and kill it ourselves right at our stove Mm -hmm. which is really odd it is interesting because it's not like you do that with rabbit typically or with you know any kind of meat product you typically most people don't do that some people do of course but most people don't i think the closest i've gotten to that aside from lobster yeah which I don't think my parents ever did it when I was alive, but when before I was born, when my brothers were younger, yeah. they did get a live lobster with its claws rubber banded, yeah. and my brothers played with it on the kitchen floor, and then they killed it and ate it, and my brothers were devastated, and yeah. that's probably why they never did it again. It's pretty brutal um, as an activity. Yeah. I mean, they, they cling, they try to get out, they try to cling the lip of the, the, the yeah. pot, like they're... They're very much I, resistant you know, to I being boiled. I will take it back. I was going to say the time I had rabbit, or my dad had a you friend that raised me say, rabbits. You don't have to take it back because he didn't say it yet. I know, but I was, well, I, I wanted to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was already there in my head, I had. Yeah. So my dad's friend raised meat rabbits, and my brother dated someone who was Greek. And her mom hadn't had rabbit in a very long time. Okay. And so my dad became the rabbit hookup. And she was like, if you get me a rabbit, I'll have you over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And so she made stew. It was very good. But I was going to say that's the closest I've had to, like, just getting your food and, you know, as fresh as possible, killing it and making it, cleaning it and everything. Mm-hmm. But I had crab once that I caught. Ah, uh. So that would probably be the closest for right. me. <laughs> it's not a uh, it's it's not a thing that people do that often. I mean, much of the the meat that we eat we get prepared by someone else, and he even points out at some point prepared itself as a weird euphemism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a thing we use to abstract ourselves from the act of killing that necessi- is necess- is necessary in order to get to the meat. I know? mean, we do that a lot. Yeah, we 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 do a lot of things to brush over the fact that mm-hmm. we are taking. A creature's life to sustain ourselves. Because yeah. there's a lot of ethical quandaries. Sure. There. Most people just, you know, proceed by not thinking about it. And uh, Most people just buy a lot of microwavable shit at the grocery store and don't think about what went into it. Yeah. Um, but this made for such a really, really interesting read that I kind of wanted to just put it out there as a thing that people should read. Um, it's... 
You said it was like seven page. Yeah, spread? it was a seven page spread. I mean, half of it is footnotes in the traditional David Foster Wallace style, mm-hmm. and it uh, it really gets into you know the importance of thinking about you know what happens to the things we eat and whether there is a whether there's an ethical question at all, or even if we know that, why why we so often prefer to just not think about it at all. Um, when you first um, told me about this, which was a little bit earlier tonight, um, my first thought, my first response was like, that is not what Gourmet Magazine signed up for. Like, right. were they okay with what they got? Which, yeah. which, I mean, if you're sending out David Foster Wallace, it's not like he was like some young buck journalist and they're like, oh, you do this specific assignment. They knew what they were getting, I'm sure. Yeah. But... It's just funny. It's like, oh, go report on this Maine Lobster Fest. And he's like, okay, so here's a seven-page spread, a little bit on the tourism thing. Mostly, um, do lobsters feel pain, and how horrible are we? (laughs) Well, the thing is, too, by the end of the piece, he does this really smart thing, and it's probably a very honest thing. I think of him as primarily a very honest writer of fiction. Like he, He says, you know, I'm not saying anything here. Uh, because I don't know. I'm asking the question of myself. Like, I don't I'm know what the right thing is to do it. here. <clears throat> and is it the responsibility of the gourmand to think about these things? Or is our responsibility exclusively about aesthetics and pleasure? Like, do we have, is ethics a thing that matters? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like, I think he saves himself from any possibility of, you know, running afoul of like a critical reader by saying, you know, I don't know. I'm asking you the question. Answer it however you want. So he turned a nice article about a a lobster fest in Maine into an article about whether or not ethics matter. And yeah, Yeah, right. This is very interesting. I would like to read that also. It's uh, I printed off six of seven pages because I ran out of ink on page seven. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's a really good read. Uh, I super recommend it. Um, I guess that's really just all I wanted to say about it is David Foster Wallace is, is yeah, he's not food for the soul and he's not really food for the brain, but he is food for the brain's soul. Okay. And that's my take. We'll go with that. That's a really good lukewarm take. <laughs> no, I call that a hot take. Yeah, it's, it's, it's warmish. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, we'll take a little break here and then we will come back with our main segment, which we'll talk about in just a minute. All right. Got a little bit of coffee because mm-hmm. I was yawning. Yawning. I hope you can't hear me yawning. Oh my god, it's like ten o'clock though. This is like the yeah. latest we've ever recorded. It anyway. is. I had to do some extra research, and I kept getting <coughs> distracted by it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's too good. It's you just too can't good. stop. It's too good. It's like Pringles. Yeah, the Pringles of television. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say something else, and I forget what it was already. It's a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real good at this. 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. It wasn't important. Let's get in main the main segment. topic. Yes. The real meat and potatoes of it. Yes. Crisper. Crisper. The drawer that keeps your veggies fresh. No. Also, not to be confused with Crisp and Glover. Mm, certainly not. Crispy Cream. Not that either. Chris Brown. Definitely not that. Christian Slater. Not Christian Slater. Or Cocoa Crisps. The cereal not that, and although, the ball player. Now I want the cereal, <laughs> not the ball player. Because <laughs> I don't think he tastes good with milk. Mm, you'd be surprised. Ooh. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Let's <laughs> talk about what we're actually talking about. I'm going to give a very general idea of what CRISPR is before yeah. I go into some more detailed information. Because I know you have some specific questions that I want to answer. Yes, but we, could, you, we could start real general. And everybody else. So CRISPR is what CRISPR, I wanted to know about. CRISPR has to do with DNA and genetics. The implications of it are really cool. Yep. So basically what CRISPR is, it's like an immune system for bacteria. So when we think of humans, you didn't know this. You didn't know the origin of CRISPR? An immune system for bacteria? Yes. That's where we get CRISPR from, bacteria. Okay. Let um, me get into it. Yes, let's hear it. Um, so our immune system... Say we have a cold, mm -hmm. so we're infected by that virus, we form antibodies to that virus. Okay. Then the next time that strain of the virus comes around, we've built up immunity to it because of those antibodies. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what CRISPR is, but for bacteria. Okay. <clears throat> so CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. That'll make more sense later. Okay. But basically what happens is it's a defense system for bacteria against bacteriophages, which are a type of virus. Yeah. And the way that this system works, scientists realized, oh, we can use that to do other stuff. This we is can so kind cool. of right off program the bat. it. So, now that I've given a real brief explanation of what it is, yeah. I want to talk DNA. Because okay. it's something you kind of have to know about a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I went to school for forensic science. I took some classes about, you know, biology and genetics and DNA and yeah. all kinds of stuff. DNA is not my bag. It's really interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. I'm terrified of being a forensic biologist, basically. Because... You have to be so precise, and it just causes me massive anxiety. <laughs> okay. So I noped out on that. That was not where I wanted to go with my career. Ended up not doing anything with it, but at least up to this point. But I have the knowledge. Yeah. And so I had a little bit of a background. And even for me, like, this stuff is real dense. Yeah. Having had some education on it. Yeah, everything I've read about CRISPR is, like, tailored towards the general audience. And because you're talking about something as complex as DNA, it's it, real hard to get into the meat of it. It gets oversimplified. Yeah. So I want to real quick um, make a point to state my sources because I had a couple good ones. Okay. Um, obviously, I used Wikipedia for most of this general DNA stuff I'm going to get into. Mm -hmm. And for some of the CRISPR stuff. 
I also used um, the Broad Institute's website for mm-hmm. some of the CRISPR the stuff. The Broad they have Institute a nice... for Dames. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a nice fact, mm-hmm. FAQ about it. And then I watched a video called What is CRISPR by Bozeman Science. Okay. It, that, it's B-O-Z-E-M-A-N space science. It's a channel on YouTube, but they also have bozemanscience.com. Okay. I just want to um, call them out because that sounds like it's going to be negative. I want to shout them out because uh, at the beginning of his video, he said he's run into two problems with other videos about CRISPR. They're either way too technical and hard to understand or they're way too simplified so you don't really get the point of what CRISPR is. Yeah. And he was hoping to throw another video out there that runs the midline. And I think he did a really good job because some of the things that were like confounding me a little bit, he explained it in a really good way. He used really good um, like graphics to kind of explain it. So if you hear me talk about it and you're still confused or you just want to see what he says, because I'm not even using everything he says. Yeah. Um, but that video is called What is CRISPR? And CRISPR is spelled C-R-I-S-P-R. Yeah, usually in all caps. Yeah, yeah, because it's an acronym. Yeah. Um, so back to the DNA part of it. Most people have some idea about what DNA is. Mm-hmm. It's our genetic code. It makes up our genetic code. Yeah. Uh, stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. And that's... The molecule that carries the, our genetic instructions. Mm-hmm. This is made of two biopolymer strands that are wrapped around each other in that double helix formation that we've all seen. Yeah, the twisty ropes. Mm-hmm. The twisty ropes, oh, yes. twisty ropes that make up your, your entire code of life. Yes. So each of those strands is a polynucleotide. So each polynucleotide is made of several nucleotides. Right. Each nucleotide is made of three things. Mm-hmm. They're made of a phosphate group, a sugar called deoxyribose, mm-hmm. and then a nitrogen-containing nucleobase. And mm-hmm. there's four different bases. Cytosine, guanine, adenine, and thymine. That's In DNA, there are four different bases you can have. In fact, in Jurassic Park, if you remember that scene where the raptors had... They're, at the end, they were chasing after them, and they're inside the building, and they had all that green text superimposed over them. Mm-hmm. It's just GATC all over the place. Oh, I mean, man, supposedly, I can't watch a movie in so long. We really need to watch it. We should watch it. But yeah, it's little, little nods to DNA all throughout that. Pretty cool, That's actually. Pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So the way this structure works is that the nucleotides form a chain um, using a covalent bond, which is... A chemical bond where the two atoms share electron pairs. Okay. So imagine you have a group of people all standing like front to back and you want to make sure you don't get lost. You're going on like a tour of the city and you don't want to get lost. And we're walking in two lines facing away from each other. Right. And we're just talking about one of these structures, one of these polynucleotides right now. Okay. So... Someone's in front of me and someone's behind me. So I reach my one arm out and I hold one of their arms and I reach my other arm behind me. I hold one of their arms. Right. The arm in front of me, I'm holding their deoxyribose group. And the arm behind me, I'm holding another person's phosphate group. 
Oh, okay. And that's how, how we're held together. So that's how the chain is held together. That's often called like the, the backbone of the DNA. Okay. And those are pretty strong bonds. They're kind of difficult to break. Some specific things have to happen in order to break those bonds. So that's how a single chain is formed. Okay. That's how a polynucleotide is made. Very interesting. Now you have these two strands, and there's a reason that they make the formation, the double helix that they make. And I, I think part of one of your questions kind of comes from this idea of, like, how does DNA form? Like, how do the strands form, and how do we replicate it kind of an idea? Yeah. And this has a lot to do with the base pairing rule. So these two strands are held together by hydrogen bonding. Okay. And this hydrogen bonding occurs between those nitrogen-containing nucleobases. So the hydrogen bonding is like the rungs in the ladder, right? Yes. Okay. So these bases use what we call base pairing rules. So... Cytosine, abbreviated as C, only matches up with guanine, Mm -hmm. G, and adenine only matches up with thymine. Okay. So A and T. So say I have a strand and the, I just gave like a quick four base example. Say in this strand of DNA, on one side I have C A G T, that means the other side must be G T C A. Gotcha. They only so, ever have the that thing opposite them yes. in any scenario. Yes. So if something happens to the other side of the chain, it can be rebuilt. Yeah. And both sides of the chain carry the same genetic information. It's not like one side has different information from the other side. Right. It's all the same thing. So it's easy to replicate. And just as an aside, you don't really need to know this, but the strands are formed like kind of in a zipper, like in an opposite effect. So yeah. um, I'm using hand motions, which doesn't help the people <laughs> listening, but it helps you. Right. But so one strand <clears throat> forms from top to bottom and the other forms from bottom to top. Sure. And okay. they kind of zip themselves up. Okay. Um, this is also like sort of how cell replication works, right? So like... If a cell is to split, doesn't each cell get half of that DNA and it zippers apart and then it reassembles yes. from the missing pieces? Yes, as long because as it trans- knows exactly what goes with it because it can only bear with it can only pair with one thing. So as long as the transcription goes well, you get the same DNA unless you have mistranscriptions and that's where Which, you get all kinds of that's weird stuff. Another scenario, yeah. Okay. So th- that's the basics of how that stuff kind of works. Okay. Um, I didn't know about that top to bottom and bottom to top zipper thing. That's very interesting. Yeah, that's just a cool... It doesn't really, really matter for what we're talking about today, but it's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, more than 98% of human DNA is non-coding. Just something that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, they, so that 98% doesn't serve as patterns for any protein sequences that creates like features in yeah. us you know like your the color of your eyes or whatever it's just kind of there yeah this is what people call junk dna and then other people get kind of miffed and say well maybe it's not junk you just don't know what it is yet right and there's yeah. so much we don't know that's why like the human genome project is so important mm-hmm. 
And they've made a lot of cool discoveries. And they found that not all cancer, but a lot of cancer um, is on a specific gene. There's a a malformation. I forget the name of the gene. Mm -hmm. But this comes into play later with CRISPR. Nice. Um, And just quickly, I want to talk about RNA because there's a lot of RNA stuff going on with CRISPR too. Mm -hmm. RNA is a ribonucleic acid. Instead of being two strands kind of zippered up together, Mm -hmm. it's a single strand folded onto itself. Okay. What, like folded in half? Like uh, just sort of like Yeah. It's like it it forms what they call um, hairpin turns. Okay. But... Instead, so say you have, say you have that C-A-G-T. Yeah. What it means is this whole thing is kind of looped around on itself. Yeah. And the corresponding G-T-C-A on the other side is a part of the same strand just looped around. It makes these hairpin turns. That makes sense. It's Um, weird, but it makes sense. That comes into play as far as making CRISPR, CRISPR, explaining parts of it. Okay. Uh, cellular organisms use... So, RNA is really important, and there's a bunch of different kinds of RNA. Yeah. So, cellular organisms use messenger RNAs, or mRNAs, to convey genetic information that directs the synthesis of different specific proteins. Uh-huh. Now... So RNA is very similar to DNA, except it folds on itself. It's not two strands, and it has one different base than um, DNA has. Instead of thymine, it has uracil. Okay. And I didn't know that thymine or uh, uracil matches up with adenine, mm-hmm. but it's just one different base. Interesting. I I never really fully grasped the concept of why, and I guess it's because. There is no why. It's just how it is. Like, it's just the way things work out. RNA is just slightly different. It has a different base, but it translates the same way. Yeah. Um, I feel like the folding of RNA is like what that game that they built was based on. They had this game that was like you uh, you had to follow certain rules, but you had to constrain these big shapes into – you had to make them fold correctly. And it was mm-hmm. a crowdsourced way – to learn how proteins synthesize themselves. Yeah, so I've people, never seen that, but it's I want to People up. were playing this game all over the place, and they were solving real-life science problems. And they were just they just That's gamified really cool. it, and they got all kinds of answers they never could have got any other way. That's really sweet. Yeah, it's I love nuts. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so another kind of RNA is transfer RNA, or tRNA. Mm-hmm. They direct the assembly of proteins on ribosomes. Okay. Basically, just they do the protein synthesis. So they deliver amino acids to the ribosome, and then ribosomal RNA, rRNA, links the amino acids together to form the proteins. So, so DNA carries the genetic code, but RNA is doing all the work. Right. Yeah. You know, it's there's RNA is doing so many different things. There's so many different kinds. Interesting. So now let's get into CRISPR. So just to just to wrap that one up real quick. So you're basically saying DNA's got all these these instructions that code for all these different things. Would that include coding for like how RNA is going to work down the line and then what proteins it's going to create or how? I mean, um, no, is I DNA mean, uh, the brains and RNA is the brawn? Could you think of it that way? Um, 
the plans and the tools kind of thing? Kind of. I mean, it doesn't really determine the kind of proteins because those are pretty standard okay. just based on like the, the bases and the arrangement of the bases. Like that's pretty standard stuff, but it determines the code determines everything. Okay. And the proteins that make up everything. That's like RNA doing the heavy lifting, putting everything together, okay. getting everything where it needs to be. Okay. Um, CRISPR is, let's go back to what I originally stated it stands for. Mm-hmm. Stands for. It stands for crispy, rispy, ispy. Spee. Nope. Okay, I'm, I forget. Nope. <laughs> Clustered, <laughs> regularly interspaced, short, palindromic repeats. Palindromic is interesting to me there. I, I will get into what all that means. <laughs> I like palindromes. Um, so many dynamos. So they are short segments of DNA, 20 to 40 um, letters, mm-hmm. 20 to 40 uh, bases. So the C-A-G-T's. And they repeat like over and over and over again. Instead. And these short segments are palindromic. So a palindrome is something, it's a word that when you read it from left to right, it's the same as if you read it right to left. Mm -hmm. So that's the way this works. This works. If you read it from top to bottom, it's the same as if you read it from bottom to top. Sure. Um, The idea of why it is that way is because it, is what happens when things are transcribed from RNA because of those hairpin loops. Okay. Because ah. it's folded on itself the way it is, oh. that's what's causing those palindromic repeats. So like the very nature of RNA must be palindromic. That Yeah, that's what's causing CRISPR to be what it is. Okay. Um, so these are repeated, but it's not just like repeated one after another, after another, after another, with nothing break it, breaking it up. Mm-hmm. They're interspaced. Okay. And originally, scientists, they knew they were interspaced. They kind of assumed it was what you call like junk DNA. It was just miscellaneous. They didn't yeah. realize what it was. Later, they realized what it really was. So all of this is taking place on a bacteria, by the way. This is the genetic material in a bacteria. So it's That's a bacteria's DNA. Is. Yes. Okay. So... CRISPR, like I said, it's the immune system of the bacteria. So when a bacteriophage enters the cell of the bacteria mm-hmm. and tries to attack it, CRISPR is what it does to defend itself. Wow. Or what it has to defend itself. So there are these short palindromic repeats interspaced. And this spacer DNA isn't repeated between them. It's unique. Oh, you mean everything in between the repeats is all scrambling? No, I mean each repeat is different. Oh. It's not like um, there's in between the repeats is the same thing also repeated. It's like all different. Gotcha. The spacers are different from each other. Okay. Um, What they realize this is, is actually copies of viral DNA. So like we have antibodies based yeah. off of viruses that enter our system and our body has to defend against. 
this is like the antibody for the bacteria. Okay. Um, How does that work? I'll get into that a little bit in a little bit about how it does this. But it basically makes a copy of this viral DNA that has attacked it. Okay. Interesting. That it's been exposed to in the past. And then you have... uh, So some of these spacers, some of these... Some of this code that's in there is CRISPR-associated genes. And these are often referred to as CAS proteins, C-A-S proteins. Okay. Um, So, well, it's referred to as CAS. They make CAS proteins. And what CAS proteins are are usually one of two things. Helicases, which unwind DNA. Okay. And nucleases, I wrote that they unwind DNA, which they don't both do the same thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, that's okay. You don't have to. So I know I want to know what they are. So I'll look that up, but I'll keep going. Yeah. Um, so some of the spacer DNA matches um, what the viruses they've come across in the past. So nucleases cleave chains of nucleotides. So, like okay. I said, it's kind of so hard to So, just chop a cleave. segment out? Yeah, they're the scissors. Oh, okay. So, um, helicases are what unwind the DNA. Sure, and separate the two halves. Yes, and nucleases chop it apart. Chop a segment out in the middle. So, this is the weaponry that the bacteria has. Yeah, it's like the full suite itself. of tools you need to exactly. modify DNA however you want. Yeah, so... Um, how this works is that the using these like cast proteins along with the whole like CRISPR system. Yeah. Say a bacteriophage enters the system. Mm-hmm. This cast protein goes out. It has the helicases. It has the nucleases. It well, it makes the proteins that it makes the helicases and the nucleases. So it sends that out. But it also has this code. So it can recognize, oh, hey, I know that virus. I have that code here. It sends that out with the Cas proteins. And then it, like, targets that virus. It chops it up. And, well, it breaks it apart and it chops it up. It breaks up the DNA of the bacteria. It pulls apart the DNA and it chops it up. It's those helicases and nucleases working. To destroy the bacteriophage. It just destroys its whole, all of its DNA? Yeah, and, it, and this isn't to say that, like, you know, bacteria is super effective at doing this all the time and is never killed by bacteriophages, but this is the defense system it has, just like we have antibodies. They're not flawless, but it's a system. But it basically, it rips up all its DNA and yeah, messes and it can, with it? It can be targeted. It can basically make it, unef- like, ineffective, or it can change it or augment the virus in some way Mm -hmm. Uh, just depending on what happens when it cuts out that part of the virus's code that it recognizes now so a lot of this stuff i'm talking about now i got from the video the Mm -hmm. bozeman science video and so he he did a really good job of breaking this stuff down because i was missing the point on it before i I can't conceive of how they developed this ability it's just the Nature is really cool, man. It's astounding. <laughs> Nature is so cool. That is so, astounding. So, on top of that, say 
there is a bacteriophage, there's a virus that this bacteria has never come across before. It doesn't have anything in its arsenal to specifically target this virus. Mm -hmm. That's okay. What it's going to do, it's still going to do its best to attack it. Yeah. But then it's going to basically make a copy of it. It's going it to use its code and add it to its own. Use it for the future. So it becomes one of those spacers. <laughs> this is insane. So when you look at CRISPR, you see a history of the viruses. Everything that its ancestors cool. ever saw and encountered in battle. Yeah, that's it's, cool in it's, and of itself. It's like a big old dusty book full of war histories. Yeah. What's They're even just... cooler, though? What's <laughs> even cooler is that scientists, the more they learned about this, they went, oh, shit, we can use this. That is a step. The whole thing. I'm just stupefied right now. So, so that kind of, I know you had a question of how... How we can do what we do with CRISPR. So let's talk about what we can do with CRISPR. Sure. We can take this system and use it to our advantage. Now that we know how it works. Yeah. Um, we can basically make those spacers a specific something we're trying, a gene that we're trying to target. Yeah. So say someone has an illness a genetic illness we know what gene causes it we know the problem on the gene we know what we're looking at yeah so we make a copy of that and we put that in as one of these spacers yeah so we send that out do we put it in the a gene. bacteria yeah we're putting it in bacteria right now we're introducing Basically, bacteria yeah. to we're, human we're making DNA. crispr we're making our own little crispr okay so we have that as one of the spacers. And so when we introduce it to our target, yeah. the gene, we can use Cas proteins. Cas9 is the most common system to cut out that gene and remove it. <laughs> so what happens when you remove it is it's going to try to repair itself. You could have like, you could have like, some weird things happen on it. Yeah. But if you get even more complicated, you can use, um, what's it called? I had it written down. You can use another kind of RNA, basically, to insert a new gene into that spot. So you can not only identify a flawed sequence, but you can propose a replacement. You can remove it. And modify it. That is sick. So if you have a disorder that's caused by this specific gene, we can cut it out and replace it with what the healthy gene would look like. Here's where I – this this might be something that you hadn't gone into because this starts to be the bigger picture. (laughs) The ethics? No, but do you – I mean, is there anything you know about like, you know – I mean, on what kind of scale would you have to do this in a body to completely rid a person of bad they, code? Um, I don't know, but they did make it seem like everywhere? it was something you could do in vitro. Okay. So I don't know exactly what that looks like. Okay. Um, and I don't know how much they've done, but mm-hmm. they know at least in a lab, in a scientific setting, they can do it. <laughs> so we're getting into really cool territory here. That's like, so cool. We can, we can make... Changes and like I mentioned, cancer earlier, 
cancer has a lot of causes. Mm-hmm. I fully believe you're not going to find one thing that cures every cancer. It's just there's too many kinds. There's too many causes. Some yeah. environmental. They're complicated. Some is genetic. It's not as easy as killing all cancer, doing one thing. Yeah, you're not going to ramble this. You have to address a lot of different things. But we do know that there is a gene that affects mm-hmm. a lot of cancer. It causes many cancers. Yeah. So if we do a, a genetic test and find out, oh, so-and-so has this gene, mm-hmm. we could potentially remove the gene and replace it. At least create a gene that is less likely to develop yeah. cancers. Because at least we know that genetics increase your likelihood. Yes. So if you can so, reduce that likelihood, that's amazing. Basically, this is gene editing technology. It's, it's genetic. It's gene therapy at, in the future. This is this becomes gene yeah. therapy. So of course there are ethical implications. Sure. If you can do it to modify and remove a disease, you could do it for you know changing our eye color or whatever you want to do. Sure. Um. I don't know that it's ever going to get to the point where we do that. I don't know that it's really going to get to the accessibility, but this is something people worry about. Yeah. Of like, oh, we're going to have designer babies. Yeah. We're going to be able to pick and choose what we want our kids to look like. Right. But. If I could play the sci-fi angle, there was, there was a time where the, you know, the entire Moonlander was so prohibitively expensive that, you know, like doing that kind of thing over and over was like. Unlikely. And now mm-hmm. everything that made up the technology, you know, in the Moonlander is in your pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can buy it for like 800 bucks. Is, isn't that expensive? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is it can only get easier, right? I mean, we... So just a detail I left out, which I find interesting. We found CRISPR from E. coli. That's where we first <laughs> recognized CRISPR. Ah, that nasty little guy. Yeah. So it makes so you shit. Teaches you lots of stuff. <laughs> we learn a lot. Gives you the shits and cures the and entire knowledge. human race of several <laughs> maladies yeah, in one fell swoop. This is a spicy meme waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you shit your brains out. Cured your cancer, though. Uh, thanks, E. coli. <laughs> we'll never complain again. Um, That's This is so wild to me. I... The, the amount of research you have done here is amazing. Which it wasn't really that much. It's really... I, it's I feel different. like I started from a little bit of a background of understanding some of the DNA stuff. It is a complicated subject. I I hope I do it justice. I yeah. think I addressed most of your questions. I know you wanted to know how we target things and how this works, and that's how. I have I have all the the... General questions. I mean, anything more than that would be, like, crazy specific. And I didn't expect even this level of detail. It's real cool stuff. It's fascinating. It's yeah. the same thing I felt with the synthetic meat. It's like I had <laughs> yeah. – I'm interested in all this stuff. Yeah. And I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really cool. It's kind of sci-fi shit. It's extremely but sci-fi. It's, but it's real. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are ethical implications, but there's some really great stuff we might be able to do with it. Yeah. Scientists are really working on it right now, looking yeah. into what they can do. Um, the things we can do with it are just well, limitless. Well, like considering the things that we know that are, like, really closely linked to DNA and inheritance diseases mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Like... 
like your predisposition to heart disease or things like that are like so heavily yeah. influenced by who in your family has heart disease. Yeah. Like that, all that stuff points to a future where we can go, here's what is common to all these people mm-hmm. and we can just write and a fix. One of the ethical implications is that you don't want to really do this in such a way that you, you change genetic code that's actually going to get passed down. You want to try to change the genetic code that is not going to be reproduced and passed along because you don't want to really make permanent changes because you can't really foresee what's going to happen, what the consequences are. So there are a lot of challenges ethically. There's a lot to keep in mind. I watched another video. Um, I didn't write it down. Maybe when we post this, I'll post a link to it. It was also on YouTube, but it was a scientist explaining CRISPR on like four or five different levels to a young child, to a high schooler, to a college student, to a grad assistant, to an expert. Nice. Like not so much once you get up to the higher levels, the more complex levels, it wasn't really explaining. It was more like discussing. Right. Um, And so once they got up to like the grad student and expert levels, it was more of like the ethical implications and what are we really doing with it? And All that stuff. So it's just, it's important to know this is a really cool topic. It's massive. I hope we do really awesome things with it. But I hope we're responsible. And I can't even fathom, because I'm not an expert, not even a grad assistant, I can't fathom all of the ethical concerns. I will try to post a link to that video, because it was interesting, and they did get into some cool topics as far as all the different things we'd have to consider yeah. when approaching this. But that's CRISPR. I'm just, I'm just absolutely floored. I mean, this is exactly what I was looking for. Because I well, understood CRISPR on the I'm abstract level. I'm glad I done level. did it. I, you really did done do it. <laughs> I understood it on the abstract level. But like, even just that kind of illustrative example or working through the specifics of that really goes a long way to helping me understand what's going on. I cannot recommend the um, Bozeman Science video enough. Like, if you're still a little bit fuzzy or you just want to see how they represented it, because the graphic representations really helped me. I'm not good at learning things from reading or sometimes even hearing. Yeah. I need several representations. I need to see it, and that really helped. So go watch that video. I love if we can share with this with this episode, we haven't quite figured out our hosting yet, but I would love it if we could be sharing our sources. Uh, right yeah, there I, w- with the episode. I would like to do that. Yeah. I would like to do that. Um, I think the way we're going to end up doing it, we'll have a lot of opportunity to maybe write a little post to go along with every um, podcast and make sure we include our sources yeah. and, and all that stuff. Because so props too. where props are due. I got a lot of information from a lot of different places this time. Yeah. But I think I got the understanding really massively from Bozeman science. Yeah. So thank you to them. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to look at some of their other videos because I think he did a really good job explaining this. And I think he did what he wanted to do, which is run that middle ground of not being overly complex and not overly simplified and really explain exactly what's happening and what we can do with it. So 
at the end of his video, he he says, I, I hope now you know what CRISPR is. And I think we do. Yeah. I think we get it. So I, thanks I certainly to him. do. Yeah. God, fantastic. Thank you for exactly the level of detail I was looking for. Yay. I'm glad that's what you wanted. I'm <laughs> super stoked about CRISPR. And I got to say, we started this podcast and I was excited about it because I wanted to do a podcast. Yeah. And... We finally got an idea that worked, which is we're curious people and doing yeah. this research, and that's what we do anyways. Right. But I've learned so much. I know. We're only five episodes in, and I feel like we really have kind of enlightened ourselves, not just to important things, you know, like smart, sciencey things, but silly things that we should just it's, generally know about. Yeah. It's like everything I would be looking up anyway, but not in as fun a way. Right. So hopefully when... We post this and we get our hosting sorted out and everyone's everyone's listening. Everyone's going to listen. You can't see me flailing my arms. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) when people are listening, hopefully people will listen. I hope you guys get something out of it because we really are. We're kind of dweebing out right now in a big way. Like I know this is a super nerdy topic, but I think the more we talked about it, the more interesting it became to me. Yeah, it's I so far I've loved all the topics we talked about and I loved doing the research and talking about them as much as I've loved having you tell me about stuff. Yeah. So I I like I, I love this podcast. <laughs> me I too. I enjoy doing it. I think we're starting to hit a stride mm-hmm. and we want to continue doing it and figure the hosting out so we can post it for people yeah and in the future if you guys have suggestions or things you're curious about we might be curious about them Mm -hmm. so um let us know once we have everything set up we'll have email and social media if they're hearing this we have click the contact us link because i'm sure there is one yeah Uh, there's (laughs) there's a way to get a hold of us yeah in the outro we'll uh Add all of our contact. Yes. So send us ideas if you have any or just leave us a comment. Uh, it's Tell us we're pretty. We need to hear it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we just need to. Mostly Dave. Yeah. Mostly Dave. You get self-conscious. I don't want to talk about it. He's a pretty boy. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening to episode five. This was a hell of a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, we will be back next week with another exciting topic, which we have not decided yet. We don't yet. know what it will be, but it will be exciting. Gosh darn it. We will make you have fun learning. Damn it. Yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. This Thank has you. been Goose Chase. We will see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod, and our website is www.GooseChasePodcast.com. If you have any topics you would like us to research, please email us at GooseChasePodcast at gmail.com. Want to go on a goose chase? Yes. <laughs>